On today's show, we talk about the state of AEW. Is that roster far too bloated? We talk about some of the partnerships to do with AEW as well as the incoming wrestlers and of course WWE, The Rock. He'll turn confirmed. I come with all the details and my opinion on today's episode of the WrestleManiac UK show. Let's go. What's up, people? It's your boy Mex, the WrestleManiac, if you will, and welcome back to the WrestleManiac UK show. Thank you very much for tuning in once again on what is usually a Monday morning when I release these and, you know, trying to get you set for the week, remind you of the past week in professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. Make sure you share the podcast, let people know about it, you know, leave us a five-star review on your audio platform that you listen to the podcast. I'd appreciate that very, very much. And yeah, I hope you guys have had a really good weekend. We go into another week. Um, it just feels like, again, you know, the the, the time is flying. Um, we are on the road to two big shows. When it's WWE, it's WrestleMania, of course. we got Elimination Chamber to talk about, in fact, um, somewhere in between. And of course, AEW Revolution first major pay-per-view of the year there's going to be a lot happening at revolution a lot coming out of revolution so yeah you know there's a lot to talk about and before we get into today's first topic um i will just say that you know we have a special guest on this show that will be joining us later on for our major aew discussion when i planned obviously what i'm going to talk to my guest about I didn't think that we would kind of go so in deep with AEW. Like it, it was almost like an intervention. Like this is the current state of AEW evaluating everything. So it was a really, really good chat. Really, really good chat. And that's going to come later on in the podcast. But we are going to start with WWE. WWE have been doing some great stuff recently. Of course, the major story, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, The Rock, Roman Reigns, all embroiled in a story around the title, the winner of the Royal Rumble, someone that wants to come in and, you know, think they can just take on um, Roman Reigns for the biggest box office WrestleMania match of all time. And Seth Rollins, who is trying to bring attention to his title and wants validation for his title and his hard work, you know, really, really great story being told between all of these guys although yes there could have been possible missteps and things of that nature I feel they've course corrected and they know what they want to do at least at this point going into WWE Wrestlemania now of course injuries and any other thing could probably change course they might still you know swivel and sell us down the road a bit we are probably still the best part of you know six to seven weeks out from wrestlemania so a lot could change but you know this is looking like the main event scene for that particular show now smackdown this past week it was you know the rock was coming out he was going to be a Roman Reigns. That's how it was advertised. I think everyone was gassed for the entire week. What are we going to see, you know, from these two guys? If you guys had heard me on any other platform during the week, I was obviously sharing, um, you know, what was said by good old Steve from Going In Raw on the last podcast where he thought that, you know, The Rock was coming to flex his, his authority powers 
and suspend Triple H. And I thought, you know, all week about that. And like I say, I, I told any other platform I was on, I let everyone know that, you know, this was the prediction I think is going to happen, that it was Steve's idea. Um, and people thought that would be a good idea as well, but it wasn't the idea. It wasn't the path they went, should I say. It wasn't the path they went. And after what we got, I feel like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. So The Rock, obviously, the Roman came out. Bloodline came out. You know, they done their thing. They are feeling a bit secondary to The Rock. Roman, you know, I will say that. He is coming off a bit like second fiddle. Uh, my big cousin's around, so he's going to do all my dirty work kind of thing. Like, Roman's lost a bit of his gloss with the rock around and it's not even to say the rock is doing particularly like amazing work he's outshining him work wise or on the mic wise or anything like that it's just because he's the rock and to be fair he's physically massive as well compared to um roman reigns so the optics don't look good aesthetically it doesn't look the best um and i'll just point this out as well actually and i might say this um or point this out elsewhere during the week I don't like the fact they've got The Rock, um, you know, or should I even say Roman? They've got Roman wearing tracksuits and hoodies and stuff around the likes of Seth that dresses flamboyantly, Cody that always went in a really cool suit and The Rock that just looks very expensive and, you know, just, just you know, I, I feel like Roman Reigns should be dressed a bit more formally. Um... Now that I think about it, he is always very relaxed and stuff. And it hasn't really ever been a problem. It hasn't really crossed my mind. But now he's in a story with guys that are dressed and look more sharp than him. And then he always comes out in a tracksuit. I don't know. You guys let me know what you think about that one. I don't think it's the best look for Roman. Especially, like I say, when we're kind of fighting to make Roman still look, you know, brilliant. Head of the table-ish. Tribal chief-ish. I don't know if this is the best aesthetic look for him, appearance. But yeah, um, so they've done their thing and The Rock comes out. And when The Rock comes out, he has got the Versace shirt on. Now, granted, the sleeves are cut, it's a vest. So it's like mixing his 1997 silk Versace shirt era with his 2003, if I got my years right, you know, Hollywood rock era, because he's now wearing a Versace vest. It's brilliant. I think it's great. He's got two chains on, big watch, bracelet, sunglasses. He looks great. So I think for me, that said, I said last week, you know, I wasn't sure if this is a whole heel turn. I think he's just pissed off because Cody, you know, dissed his family. This is heel turn confirmed. This is heel turn confirmed. The attire was very, very intentional. And I hear it. Makes sense. He looked great. Comes out, cuts a promo, which is less so great. Had some good digs at the Utah crowd, which I thought was fun. But other than that, he didn't really say much of anything. Apart from, obviously, he's part of the bloodline, which, I mean, without kayfabe, he was part of the bloodline anyway. So we, I don't know how much we learned. But obviously, I guess that confirms that he's running with Roman, basically. Um, they're going to show how powerful they are as the bloodline, how powerful they are as a family. Um, that's basically what it was. But there was a lot of insult in there. There was stuff that didn't make sense, like saying Cody 
you know, take your beating and, and go. You lost last year. Why are you coming back round? Well, Cody's coming back round because he won the Royal Rumble. So he's entitled to come back round. It is his right to come back round. And in, it is his right to face the champion of his choosing, in this case, Roman Reigns, in the main event of WrestleMania. So for him to say in his promo that Cody shouldn't have come back or, you know, should, he's not entitled to a rematch. Yeah, misstep because he's literally won a match that gives him all of those entitlements. So, yeah, like I say, the promo ended the show. It wasn't anything particularly special. I don't think we really learned anything um, apart from, yes, I would say heel turn confirmed, bloodline stuff confirmed, but, you know, that's it was more or less a given anyway. So I would say in a kind of disappointing way, this hasn't moved on since the press conference, that great press conference segment. Um Obviously, next week, I believe, is taped SmackDown because obviously a lot of the team, um, the, the talent will be out in Australia already ahead of Elimination Chamber. I doubt The Rock and Roman are going to be on that show. I don't know if The Rock and Roman will be on the subsequent SmackDown. So, yeah, for now, the next couple of weeks, I feel like we're left without a real story beat pushing this ahead. So we'll see. Um, and then, you know, a few days before that on WWE Raw, we saw Cody, we saw Seth, Cody thanking Seth for, you know, helping him against The Rock and Roman at that press conference. Seth appealing to Cody that you have to do this now. If you're not going to choose me, fine, but you have to do this. What's your plan? And, you know, almost advertising himself as, as he said, the shield. I created Roman. You need me. I know how the monster works, etc., etc. And he's left Cody with something to think about here as to, right, do I need to get Seth in my corner um, against Roman Reigns? A lot of people are saying online that they think this could be like a, a turn as well, that Seth is going to turn because, you know, Seth, Roman, they're still referring to each other as, you know, you were once my brother, brother this, brother that, little bro, big bro. Like, is Seth Rollins going to turn on Cody Rhodes if he gains Cody Rhodes' trust? I think that's just doing too much. That's swerving for the sake of swerving and turning. And I wouldn't want to see that be the reason Cody doesn't win the title. I just think that would rub people up the wrong way. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's just one of those things. Let's get to the, you know, the finale of this story, at least this side of the story with Cody winning at WrestleMania. And yeah, it seems quite obvious that The Rock will turn on Roman if Roman doesn't retain that title come Mania. And then that sets up their, I guess, year-long feud ahead of WrestleMania 41, where we probably then get The Rock versus Roman Reigns. So those are the major happenings in WWE. Um, you know, this time next week when you're listening to your podcast, we'll be probably evaluating Elimination Chamber and we then would finally have Seth's opponent and, um, you know, Seth's involvement in this story might wane a bit. It might slow down a bit because his opponent will be um, decided and then he can get into stuff with his opponent. But in terms of the major story in WWE, this particular one, I would say since the press conference, it hasn't really moved forward, which is a shame. Um, good stuff on Raw. Great promo by Rollins. You know, if you haven't seen it, don't take my little paraphrase for it. Go out and see that. But um, great, great promo by him, by Rollins. But in terms of the Rock and Roman side, you know, to push this story along, I don't really feel we got anything on SmackDown. 
but all good stuff. Can't wait for Elimination Chamber. Um, I might try and get uh, predictions out for you guys, Elimination Chamber predictions or anything. Although it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of matches on the card, which is fine because I'm guessing we're going to have two relatively long Elimination Chamber matches on the card anyway. So yeah, that should be that should be fun next week. And of course, we will kind of review that, like I said, on the podcast next week. Let's get into AEW. Um, like I said, I've got a guest. My guest is Angle from the Angle Show. Um, Angle is a great guy, man. Uh, really cool, brother. He has a great channel where he, you know, does all things news. He's always there, always reporting, never leaves his community to, you know, think, oh, what's happening in wrestling today? Always there with a video and some content, active on his socials. Really tap into Angle if you've never heard of him and his channel before. Um, like I said, this turned into like an intervention for AEW. Unintentionally, completely unintentionally. But, you know, I think this is what happens when two passionate people, myself and Angle, for professional wrestling, for AEW particularly, you know, we, we talk about something that we really do love, like, and AEW, like I always say, my critique of AEW is almost from a place of this product is brilliant. When it's brilliant, it's unstoppable. But just through some decisions here and there, you know, we don't often see that brilliant side all the time. And granted, I have said this everywhere, like it's coming back. It's definitely improving since the turn of the year or back end of 2023. But yeah, you just have to keep on calling stuff out so it gets better. And they're a company that listens. Um, so yeah, you just have to keep calling stuff out. And Ango is of this pretty much the same belief as that and wants to see it, you know, thrive and do better, get back to its glory days almost. There was a piece of um, news that we talked about within this, podcast within our conversation around CMLL not allowing other Mexican stars to be on the product when they are on on AEW when they're on now since we recorded and said that there's been some more developments I know Fightful came out and said that's not the case that it's actually AAA talent can't be on AEW shows where CMLL talent are on those shows so it's CMLL not wanting to play ball with AAA as opposed to all Mexican wrestlers, which makes a bit more sense because I was thinking this just sounds like a very bad deal that um, Tony Khan has brokered here. But um, it seems like Fightful have got to the bottom of that story and it's CMLL guys shouldn't mix on the same show as AAA guys, which I can understand. Those companies, both Mexican um, promotions, they've got a really petty beef um if if you get ask my opinion wish it could be squashed for the greater good of wrestling but yeah at the moment it's a really petty beef so that's probably why that's the case and like i say that makes a lot more sense than just banishing all mexican wrestlers from tv if cmll wrestlers are going to be booked on AEW TV. but apart from that like i said we talk you know impending um incomings into AEW, Monet obviously being the big one that is expected very, very soon. We talk about growth and how they're going to keep growing this company. We talk about optics and, um, you know, the data around what, how, how well they're doing. 
um, you know, how much more they need to go, as well as, you know, different ways to just really make AEW return to its greatness of, you know, 2020, 2021, I would say. So, yeah, without giving away much more, this is my conversation with my guy Ango about all things AEW. Enjoy. Right, so joining me at this time is pro wrestling content creator, YouTuber, and well on his way to 100k subscribers on YouTube. We've got Angle from The Angle Show. How you doing, bro? I'm good, baby. I'm good. Max, thank you for having me. This is this is just perfect. It, it feels like we've been waiting to do this for a minute, so yeah. glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, you're, you're a busy man. And, you know, f definitely for me, I can see your output on YouTube is crazy. You're going for it. And, um, you know, I, I want you to reach that 100K. I was just telling you before you got started, I found your channel and subscribed and you were just around 60,000 subscribers. Recently, you've just got the pleasure of gaining up to 70,000, which is great. So, yeah, man, keep going. How do you kind of organize yourself and arrange your day to kind of do get this out and kind of commit to getting it out and doing such a good job with it yeah honestly it's a good question because i think a lot of people think it's easy um <laughs> i love it man see the thing is for me i love it but i also dedicated you know now i've been full-time for three years or going on three years so for me it just feels like i have to do this because i enjoy doing it like um what do they say when you love what you do it's not you're never working a day in your life or whatever yeah, like yeah. it's kind of like that you know for me like there's times where i tell people like just gotta take a breather man like i gotta you know relax a little bit or just like you know just try to get refocused a little bit but now more than ever it's you know i want a hundred thousand subscribers i've had a lot of thought going into that and i'm excited about it yeah you're you're there you're there and thereabouts you're well on the road man so you know i'll be rooting for you and putting people onto your channel definitely because that consistent you know churning out the news of what we get in pro wrestling you're you're up there with some of the best and you're a one-man show are you doing everything on yourself 100 percent. yeah that was uh yeah. fully independent no investors uh no no team no outsourcing, just 100% me. And I like it that way, to be honest. So, yeah. Nah, big respect, Angle, man. Um, yeah, everyone, if you if you haven't already, just A-N-G-O, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, all your pro wrestling news updates, all from the man himself. Um, now, with that being said, like I say, at the time of recording, you've already kind of done your bit for the day. And mm -hmm. this was one of the stories I was going to bring to the table for us to talk about today anyway. Um, so the AEW locker room, which I don't know how long we've been hearing about this locker room over the last two years, three years, and the trials and tribulations of the locker room. Um, the latest stuff to come out was that, you know, the locker room, despite being very, they're in a good place right now, obviously, compared to um, previously. There's improved um, atmosphere backstage is what we've been told on the recent episode of Wrestling Observer Radio. But they're still some unhappy people things like tv ratings where they're fluctuating quite a lot things like the amount of people that they are getting in the arenas you know at the live shows the the, the tv tapings um and then you know the most common of pro wrestling issues that wrestlers will have is time on tv and maybe the lack of it because of the absolutely stacked roster um now 
would it be fair to say that you have a bit of a although i know you enjoy aew you might mm-hmm. I, I i feel you have got a bit of an indifferent opinion about aew sometimes i feel like you are more critical of aew than wwe 100 percent. yeah why, why is that oh i i've been so keen on admitting this too right um i've been covering aew before the company even started right um this part that i think a lot of people just forget about or they don't seem to understand i've spent more money on the aew product in the last five years than i ever did for a wwe product likewise 100 um i'm critical of aew for two reasons one they've shown us what great professional wrestling on television looks like what a lot of people are shocked to hear when i say that the wrestling matches are great yes but they've shown us storytelling that I have never seen on television. So I got a taste of that. Mm. And secondly, I think one of the biggest reasons why I'm critical of AEW is because I see that a lot of people in the fan base, they really, really, really think there's this, you know, this thing where AEW is better than WWE in terms of business. And they're there to erase WWE. Mm. I need people to understand that getting rid of WWE kills AEW, it kills TNA, it kills MLW, it kills every company. So my whole thing is with AEW, it's like they've shown us some really good things and I've seen how they've gotten away from the really good things that made me buy into it. And I will always be 100% consistent in how I view wrestling and how I judge wrestling. Now, I don't hate AEW. I've actually been enjoying AEW a lot this year. But it goes back to they're doing the things that I liked about them originally. First place, yeah. So for me, it's always it's more important for me to judge AEW with the hopes of I don't need you to erase WWE. I don't need you to take over the number one spot. I need you to be a really, really good number two. That way, whatever happens at the number one spot, there's always a, another company that shows the the investors and the TV networks and all of these important people in suits. Hey, just in, just in case if you haven't noticed this, there is a lot more to than just WWE, and that's important. Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely agree. I uh, I hold AEW in high regard, especially after those first two years or so, eighteen months, and I feel that's where a basis of some of my criticism comes for them. People, you know, I've admitted before, AEW week to week is my favorite promotion. Um, it's a very consistent. I love the wrestling. I love the characters and stuff like that. But, you know, as fans, regardless, whether it's WWE or AEW, we should be allowed to critique. Um, and that's the only way it gets better. Rightly, like you're saying, I don't need AEW to get rid of WWE or, you know, other way around. I don't need WWE to get rid of AEW because the competition is what's breeding the kind of times that we're living in now where everyone is thriving. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think we need to make sure, you know, whether it is WWE or AEW, that as fans, we are demanding the very best from these companies. Um, like I was saying, in regards to the the people in the company, the wrestlers, the de- their demand for Tony Khan, the TV time and things like that, um, I came across, I think someone said it in one of my lives earlier, uh, maybe like a week ago now or two weeks ago, that there's 190 to 200 active members of the roster in AEW with five hours of TV a week. Now, 
it's it's that's a hell of a big figure, especially when we only probably see a fraction of that every week. Um, you reported as well that you know, as long as it's done amicably, I saw this in your video. As long as it's done mm-hmm. amicably, they need to maybe look into allowing people to leave, terminate contracts, um, things of that nature. Talk to me a bit about that. What's what's your view on that? Obviously, how WWE, you know, made I guess a mess of it during the pandemic, yeah. releasing people mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and how can AEW manage this situation of the size of the roster better? Maybe. Yeah. So I think this is a great question for a variety of reasons. Anybody who's watched my content knows that I don't judge the people on a personal level. It's not something that you see in my content. So I don't care who is the best wrestler, the worst wrestler, the most entertaining wrestler. I primarily judge wrestling based on the stories that they're telling, the follow-ups to the stories, momentum, and how they're piecing things together. I look at the purpose, right? And in 2021, when WWE releases, what is it, 200 people? Mm. I knew how shitty that was prior to it happening because I remember when they were going after every indie wrestler and they completely changed their vision from what NXT was to something brand new that may it may have been popular or whatever but at the end of the day you're just signing talent and that's it it it, it lost its vision right when I look at WWE and how they released 200 something talent I, I look at that as like that's your mistake you got billions of dollars you're spending this money And that's what you're going to do to the people, especially during a pandemic. I always respected the fact that Tony Khan gave people a job during the pandemic. I there's there's nothing there's nothing more I can say other than it was an incredible thing. He signed a lot of talent. But yes, if there are talent who don't want to be there, I believe you should let them go because I don't think it benefits AEW to have a whole bunch of talent there just on standby. I'm not saying get rid of people. I'm saying get rid of the people who come to you and say, hey, listen, I just think this is not working out, you know. And and I think for Tony Khan, if you have plans, do something. But it's very difficult for Tony Khan, too, because he's trying to be the alternative and the alternative works with other companies. You're trying to do things. You're putting a lot on your plate. Sometimes I think simple is better. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, when you have Ring of Honor, too, man, I feel like that that makes it a little bit trickier because... Yeah. You're incorporating Ring of Honor on TV, but at the same time, too, you're using ROH as an excuse to get some talent on TV when realistically they should be doing better stuff than that, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Um, by both companies, again, you know, obviously we're talking about AEW because this is currently an AEW issue, but with yeah. both companies, I think there's still a level of hoarding talent. You know, yes. we don't want to release these people, even if they're not, we're not using them. If we release them, they may go over there, wherever over there may be and go and, you know, take effect and blossom. And then it's like, you know, we've made a mistake sort of thing. So it's, it's not the best situation. Um, in the past, they have, I think like early days, especially they were using, you know, the indies and they, they I mean, they are still in cahoots with some other indies and stuff. And we're mm-hmm. going to shortly talk about their partnerships, but is there something they can do there? Like, I think we saw the TNA um, partnership wasn't very fruitful in the end. Um, is there something they can do there to almost give talent, right, go over there for six months, build up your name, and then maybe we can reassess it and get you on TV here? Do you think there's anything like, you know, room for that? Yeah, I don't know if this is a popular opinion, but I mean, look at what we're seeing right now with Jack Perry going to New Japan. And, um, 
you know, obviously there was a lot of reported stuff between him and Punk and and mm-hmm. stuff like that and suspensions and whatever. But um, I think when you have such a bloated roster, and this this applies to every wrestling company, if you have a large roster and you're not using people, let them go on these excursions, let them go and do other stuff. Um, and use utilize that as part of content for TV, right? Like I think a lot of times people look at wrestling, and, and this is my thing that I get upset about with with wrestling in general. You don't have to wrestle every week. A story does not need to be told every single week. The continuity has to be there. So video packages are something that WWE and AEW do really well. What I would do is simply just have talent go to other companies. And obviously, I understand there's a risk of injury and stuff, but you know that's the risk. You're going to pay them either way uh, to either sit on the sidelines or to, to work elsewhere, which, by the way, if they're working elsewhere, they're promoting your brand. But I would have talent go to other companies, go to New Japan, go to TNA, go to Ring of Honor. I know it's TK's thing, but yeah. do these things where they're showing up in other promotions, go to indies and utilize that content for two things, YouTube or eventually your streaming platform. So when they get a streaming deal, hey, this is Jack Perry. He's still signed with AEW, but look at what he's doing in New Japan. You know, that type yeah. of thing. B- building up a library and... um yeah, tape library effectively. So there's content to look back on. Um, so let's talk about again something that came out today as we record around AEW's partnership with CMLL. They've got into bed with CMLL, and the deal allegedly is that when we have CMLL wrestlers on AEW TV, no other Mexican wrestler, whether they have once or are signed to a, like AAA, a competitor mm-hmm. to CMLL, or they are AEW's own Mexican wrestlers, luchadors, talents. They cannot be on TV if CMLL wrestlers are on TV. Like, I'm just going to stop there. What is your opinion on this? Because I read this and I was absolutely bamboozled as to what kind of deal is this? Yeah. So, old school TNA fan... Uh, you know, watching TNA back in the day, working with other companies, the Super X Cup, you know, like they do these like really cool things, right? I love partnerships in wrestling. So when when I see AEW doing this partnership, I'm like, this is great. I really would rather see AEW be the the one who fixes all the beef within the Lucha Libre companies. Like I would love for them yeah. to be like the mediator and say, you know what? This is better for wrestling all of us together. We're not there yet. So as a fan of old school, like TNA and like watching like Lucha Libre in America and stuff like I'm, I'm excited about this partnership. I, I love it. Right. But that's where I kind of go back to my initial opinion. You you're putting this stuff on TV over talent like Malachi Black not having a match in over 600, 600 days, you know, a singles match. It's like, I don't know what to believe, but you're telling me you can't give them a singles match and you got this other stuff happening. So the, the partnership makes me scratch my head just slightly because there is, there there's ramifications to doing this. You can't put certain talent on TV just by working with them. So it's like, do you really value CMLL over your own company? Now I'm sure Tony Khan is a businessman. You know, he's, he's a statistics guy. I'm sure there's a lot that he's looking into it, but at the same time too, even though I'm a fan of it, I can acknowledge how stupid it is on another level, which I do. I think it is. And it's, it's unfortunate that I feel that way, but there's a lot of talent who aren't being used. It's like, you know, it's, it, it, 
this would be no different if WWE said, hey, by the way, we have a partnership with New Japan. And then, you know, all these guys from New Japan go on Raw, but then everything else takes a back seat. Like, what's the actual benefit to doing it? It's just how you appear in front of fans. Maybe it looks cool. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm not. I like it, but I hate it at the same time. Yeah, th- likewise. Obviously, I was excited to see the um, promotion. More because, more um, for me, I, I I wouldn't say I'm an avid follower of AAA, but... I'm more familiar with AAA than CMLL. So this yeah. was an opportunity for me to learn what's going on in CML. But now it's you are stopping the progression of your own luchadors and you know wrestlers of Mexican heritage to provide for another company, give them that stage. And it's almost like, you know, people have been saying that he does things like, you know, we've seen with a lot of new Japan talents, give them a lot of spotlight on AEW TV at the end of their contracts. He signs them. Is this yeah. almost him doing the same thing, giving the CMLL guys all the spotlight so that, you know, eventually he can, he can pick them up when they're available. What do you think? <laughs> I hate that you asked me this because I think it paints a bad picture mm-hmm. on, on me and on Tony Khan and stuff. Cause I would really like to think that's not why Tony Khan does these partnerships. Right? Like I would like to have a little bit of confidence in the fact that he's just, you know, doing the opposite of what WWE is. WWE has always been, hey, we don't work with you. Like, we yeah. don't care. We're the best, right? And AEW has been the alternative in that regard. So I want to believe that's why Tony Khan does it. But you sign Okada, you sign this person, that person. You know, New Japan kind of takes a hit. I-, I think Tony Khan's partnership with CMLL, I hope it's to the point where, again, it fixes issues with the Luchas you know, with AAA and CMLL. And and hopefully this is something that kind of like turns a new leaf because, you know, it's 2024. You're trying to do stadium shows more often. You want to grow your product. Hey, it's, it's very difficult, you know, for Tony Khan in this situation to really grow to a whole different level. Like, I feel like he's kind of hit a ceiling in a way, not necessarily in a bad way. It just, you know, hey, you're comfortable number two. Um, that's where it gets confusing to me. Like, I don't really see the benefit of it from a business standpoint. I see the benefit of it from like, a, you're going to watch some really cool matches, some big matchups that you've never seen before. But I don't know. Like, I, it's the one time where I'm actually confused with this. Like, is he just trying to poach talent eventually? And that's not yeah. going to be a good look for Tony Khan. So yeah, the, the the track record looks like that. Although he might not mean it, he yeah. might have just be giving these guys this platform, and by the time their contracts are up, they might just like it over there and say, "Okay, you'll do it." But that is what it's kind of beginning to look like, um, and people are beginning to sniff around and agree with that. Um, I mean, last thing on this particular partnership discussion, I just feel like now any Mexican wrestler, luchador, you know why would you sign to AEW mm-hmm. if this is, you know, the case in terms of the, the contractual agreement with CMLL? It probably makes more sense to sign to CMLL to get onto AEW TV because mm-hmm. potentially if you just sign to AEW, your TV appearances could be blocked because of this deal. Um, and again, you know, I, I don't think, I think AEW have done good stuff for um the, the luchador style of wrestling on TV. I know Triple H has said he's basically trying to repair what WWE, the damage they've done in the past with luchadors mm-hmm. and Japanese talents and stuff like that. AEW haven't, you know, done anything crazy. But to be honest, this might rile up the Mexican or 
how how do I say this? The American based Mexican wrestlers that already are in the country and they're already signed to AEW. Mm. This might not be what they want to see because it's like, you know, you, you do all the hard work, you get signed to a big company that's on TV. And it's like, now we're actually going back to the grassroots to pick, to pick the luchadors from there. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? Like maybe the likes of a Pentagon and a Phoenix and, you know, people of that ilk, a Vikingo who's been featured quite heavily. What do you think the feeling is now amongst them with this deal? Well, unfortunately, before the partnerships even came about, um, Tony Khan hasn't really handled those talents really well, in my opinion. Um, You know, I went from watching Penta and Impact as world champion, and then he comes to AEW and just kind of there. Um, I also think we got to look at Andrade, another example of somebody who uh, he left AEW. Before he left AEW, he did go to CMLL. Um, He came back, uh, then went to WWE. And I just think, you know, Tony Khan has kind of put himself in a position where I don't think he looks at talent the way WWE looks at talent. So what I mean by this is like WWE looks at, you know, kind of like the intellectual property of it all. Like these characters larger than life, like, Hey, like this person could be on the red carpet doing these types of things and super bowl for, you know, the NFL fans and like, all of these different things. And I think the way Tony Khan looks at it is like, Hey, we got these guys who are really good wrestlers and we got the best wrestling every single week. And that's kind of where it stops. So I don't think Tony Khan really thinks in terms of like, let me have a very big Latin American star. Let me have a very big, you know, this or that or whatever. Like, I think Tony Khan just kind of like, Hey, we're just going to have the best Lucha Libre wrestling. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it it hasn't really panned out in the past and kind of you mentioned it too, where it's like, would you sign with the company? No, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't sign with a company that cares more about the partnerships than putting on their own talent. And uh, that's where I think AEW's biggest mistake will always be. They never put their talent on the forefront of their product. And yeah. they should because they're more than just good wrestling moves. You know, like these guys actually do really exciting stuff. So, yeah, I think around um, that, 2021 period where like you spoke of before that was that big influx of ex WWE talents specifically going to AEW it it rocked the boat not in like a morale way per se but more so like this is a company that said they were going to do stuff differently they were bringing through names that a lot of people hadn't seen on TV especially and it rocked that boat because it's then it's like right they got to this point now there's ready-made tv stars available in the market let's bring them in i feel like in the last few months especially they are returning more to um what they were um but again this is another kind of thing to rock the boat along with the size of the roster and um you know everything we've mentioned so we're, we're getting in a better position i would say but there's probably still a bit to go to to clean things up um Talking about big names, there is one that is, you know, imminent that's coming in, Mercedes Monet on mm-hmm. March 13th. Um, before we get into the story, what's your initial reaction to, you know, uh, I know you, I've seen you've cut again, you've covered a lot of the movements. Is she going? Isn't she going? And all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, what's your initial thoughts and reactions for her landing in AEW? As a fan of Mercedes, I'm just excited for her. 
to be honest. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of been my whole thing this entire time. Um, you know, it's just like I want her on weekly television, right? Like I've been saying for like the better health of the wrestling industry, Punk, Drew McIntyre, Mercedes, Will Ospreay, Okada, like none of them should be in WWE or AEW, right? Like my whole thing has been like to push the industry forward, somebody's got to captain the ship for TNA. That's obviously not happening. Mm. So Mercedes is not going back to WWE. Okay, no big deal. She's going to AEW. I'm a huge fan of her work. I hope she absolutely kills it. Um, you know, they're working on their women's division. This year they've made a lot of improvements. Is it perfect? No. Is it getting a lot better? Yes. Is she a game changer, right? That's the big question. That's the one. And uh, personally speaking, I don't give a shit who's a game changer. <laughs> I, I care about the product I'm watching, right? Yeah. So if Mercedes goes in there and fixes a lot of these issues that the company has in terms of TV, that's that's a win right there. Mm. Like I said, I feel like AEW has hit their ceiling. I don't see them growing much more than they already are. Is there potential for more growth? Yes, but I, I think that's very, very little. So I think Mercedes will be there to help elevate the product. Um and I've been saying this too. She's got to be the face of the company. Nothing of the less company, more. not just the, the division company. of the company. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay. There, there's not one person in the company who can take Hollywood by storm. She can. She's done the Hollywood stuff. Um, I think she has the the ability to be a mainstream crossover star. Like I was talking about this uh, a long time ago with Jade Cargill. Like Jade Cargill, to me, always screamed red carpets always screamed hollywood yeah. now she's going to wwe that's clearly her stepping stone yeah. mercedes could be the one that helps aew slightly get into the mainstream so my initial reaction is hell yeah they finally got somebody who i feel should be the star of the the, the entire company there there's not like adam copeland's great but not the star of the company mm. like mercedes which this might also give me some heat but i feel like the mercedes monet thing actually has a lot more possibilities or like potentials as like the the name and the character than Sasha Banks. You know, like I think Mercedes Monet is just like it's the AEW show. Like it's her show. Like I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of money in that. I, I really do. I hope I hope it works out. I, I I do agree with you, man. And um, I mean, everyone knows I'm a big Mercedes fan. I'm never going to put down anyone talking positively about Mercedes. But um, yeah, I agree that they've, I think they finally signed their first star star as opposed yeah. to like a pro wrestling star. Even CM Punk is a massive pro wrestling yeah. star. The biggest they've had before, obviously, his departure. This is now someone that, like you rightly said, can cross over. Um you touched on obviously the women's division ever improving. Is it there yet? Not quite. Um, it's been reported that longtime WWE writer and producer Jennifer Pepperman has left WWE, claiming that she wants a change, something different. Mm -hmm. um, Jennifer Pepperman was very much responsible for writing of the women's division, the SmackDown women's division, and it's been said that she's close with Mercedes Monet. Mm -hmm. So. Obviously, the people online are speculating already, as we all do in the I IWC. Um, should is is Mercedes Monet basically taking her to AEW as her personal writer? Um, we have seen, or at least been rumored, the likes of Tony Khan, Kenny Omega, are writing for the women and all this kind of stuff. And like we're saying, to no real fruition at the at the moment over the last four or five years. Is is this 
what's needed like maybe a fresh approach a, a new person um someone that's done this before in another company major company um do you think it's a good idea 100 percent um I don't know why there's always been this stigma with AEW, like, oh, they don't need TV writers. Well, she came from Days of Our Lives, I think, or one of the soap operas uh, in okay. America. So she has like, a, she has a soap opera experience. She has wrestling experience. I think in pro wrestling, right, especially with Mercedes, you're you're you can't just put Mercedes on TV and boom, everything's fixed, right? There's fundamental issues with AEW. This is 100% true if you look at the product. You maybe get one or two matches or one or two segments on a TV product. Now, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about the CMLL thing, right? It's like you have these partnerships and you have people from other shows, but you can't even get more of your talent on TV. Like there's always a fix, right? If Mercedes comes in, she brings her in as a TV writer. The first thing I'm doing is going all in with the women's division. Like main events, revolution, I understand it's very difficult because, you know, Mercedes is expected after the fact, but like double or nothing in Las Vegas, like that Mercedes should be main eventing. Yeah. Um, there should be multiple matches, multiple women matches. And on top of that, multiple women's storylines. It's really actually not that difficult. I, I, I think this is, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, they don't need TV writers and stuff. No, they do. They need a mixture of people experienced in television and people experienced in wrestling. You put them together and you could get some really cool stuff. But that wasn't going to work when you don't have the leading face of the company in the company yet. Yeah. Mercedes is like, hey, I have experience WWE. I've experienced in New Japan. Let's bring both worlds together. You bring in a writer just like that. You're going to make money. You're going to make magic. It's going to be good. Yeah. I, I don't doubt anything you're saying, to be honest. I think they are overcomplicating it. I think before Mercedes, the talent has been there for quite a while because I know that's another thing people have said. They haven't quite got the talent pool. We've got Athena doing some great, great work down in Ring, Ring of Honor where, mm -hmm. like, you know, I respectfully say that no one is seeing. Um, yeah, it just makes sense. Like, me and my, my mate have even said, like, a women's tournament like maybe something akin to the the continental classic but for women or just take the women's owing tournament more seriously and just book that better um there's so much to do they really do need to strap the rocket to her and you know like you're saying just let her go and push through these barriers and with her signing do you think you know, I'm sure she's still open to doing things like New Japan especially stardom do you think there's a sense of she should just stay in AEW at least for the first six months, establish herself there and um, really make start making that difference before she kind of goes back to venturing to do those other shows and promotions? 12 months. She should exclusively be on everything AEW. So uh, AEW, Dynamite, Rampage and Collision. Mercedes should be on all three. Um, and again, you don't have to be wrestling every week. It doesn't have to be like, that's another thing too. A lot of people need to understand. It's not that you have to wrestle every week. Yeah. You just have to be involved in some ways. Mercedes, you know, maybe doing guest commentary on women's matches on collision or dynamite. Um, those are little, like the little tidbits that you can do. Um, I think also another thing too, because you mentioned the continental classic, right? One thing I really don't want AEW to do, and it's the same thing I didn't want WWE doing, an all-women's show. I don't yeah. want it to seem like they're different 
from everybody else. I want them to blend in there because that's how talented they actually are. Like, yeah. it's not, you don't gotta, oh, if you want to see more women, just go watch Rampage, which now becomes an all-women's show. No, mm -hmm. I want them to be on Dynamite because that's where they belong. They belong on the A show with the big stories. You just got to give them the time. Um, so yeah, Mercedes, 12 months on TV all the time. Uh, again, you don't have to ever wrestle all the time, but constantly in the mix, video packages. Um, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff with Tony Storm. It's already something that's being done with Tony Storm and these, yeah. you know, these, uh, I don't even know, the short films, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the quirkiness can, of it all, yeah. <laughs> you can do some stuff with Mercedes too, and uh, I feel like that actually translates very well on TV. That that right there is the recipe for success. It's really not complicated, um, you know. And 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 also too, you got to remember, like Camille Brick is possibly joining AEW. They just yeah. got Deanna Perazzo, so Julia Hart's been killing it. Chris Statlander's great. Nyla Rose is great. There's a lot of great talent on TV, but some of them are being used on ROH right now. Mm. When Mercedes comes in, there should be a lot of people on TV. A lot of people it's it's again it's not complicated get them on tv even if even if you're doing six women tag matches you know make the women make mercedes look like you know she is the face of the company because all these other women are like tired of being not on tv like hey oh now mercedes is here she gets to be here like now this should this should start like inspiring talent to come after her you know and kind of like what they're doing with adam copeland as well on collision just wrestle random matches against talent it's like showcase stuff do the same exact thing with mercedes yeah definitely light a fire under the rest of the women's roster and even if it's yeah that's their opportunity they're gonna get you know a 10 minute match with mercedes on a dynamite on a collision um and that could be like a springboard for them to kind of reignite their careers um if they haven't been doing much lately um yeah man it's 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 good time coming in i wasn't too keen on her maybe signing a whole you know multi-year deal as they call it maybe three years four years of AEW I thought right now the evidence isn't there that they care enough about the women mm -hmm. but um, at the same time I applaud her for getting any kind of deal out of them obviously they've they've brokered a deal that's beaten whatever WWE have offered they've mm -hmm. they're giving her the CM Punk level rollout which I think is super incredible just for any women's talent because it now it's beginning to show parity with, with the men. Um, mm. Like you're saying, it's just now to, to book them correctly. And, um, you know, from there we go and hopefully, you know, it just rises all tides and the whole women's division really takes off in AEW because if there's been one kind of anomaly over the last four or five years in that company as a whole, it's been the women's division and how it's booked. Well, let me ask you too, like, who who is the face of the company? When you really look at AEW, who is the face of the company? I would say John Moxley. Okay. I would honestly say Moxley. And again, he's a pro wrestling person. You know, I'm sure if he goes into certain places of the United States, um, maybe even flashy uptown kind of places, people probably won't know who this guy is at all. Like he'll go under sure. the radar. Um, so yeah, I, I would say he's probably become bigger than the likes of the Jerichos and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omegas that they brought in to be those big faces initially. Um, he's consistently on TV. He's a constant fixture. He's a pro wrestling face, but he, for me right now, is the face of the company. 
Now, the reason why I ask you that is because I think if you ask 20 random people who is the face of AEW, you're going to get 20 different, different answers. answers. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and, and credit to AEW because, I mean, they technically made Cody the version that he is now, right? But yeah. if you look at Cody in WWE, if you ask people who is the face of WWE, I would say 80% of 20 people, I think 18 people out of 20 will tell you Cody Rhodes. Maybe two will tell you Roman Reigns, right? Yeah. Okay. But I think a lot of people will answer Cody Rhodes. What AEW needs is a person who is truly the face of the company. And, you know, one thing with AEW, and this is why I do get scared with the Mercedes thing just a little bit, is because if you listen to the IWC, every single signing is a game changer. Keith Lee, Swerve, this person, that person. I mean, yeah. I've heard it a million times, and I would tell people, I'm like, they can't be a game changer when the company is just figuring out their roster, right? Yeah. They figured out their roster. They have their core roster. And over time, you've seen people really step up. Like, Swerve has been killing it. He should be a world champion. He's doing phenomenal stuff. But at the same time, too, it took us a while to get there, right? We're not doing that with Mercedes. We're not waiting a couple months to, to, to treat Mercedes like a big deal. And after a couple months, we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, Mercedes came in and that's good. No, no. Mercedes is going to be the forefront of the company. That's what has to happen. And the way to do that is put her on TV. Overexposure is never bad. It's going to be great for her. She should be the women's champion. Uh, and I'm always opposed to that, by the way. I'm always opposed to somebody just coming in and getting the belt. But she's got to win the belt. She's got to carry the belt. Um, I would have them even redesign the belt with, like, Mercedes influence on it. You know, custom belt, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would I would go very much so into that realm of things. Um you know, if you want to sell wigs and merchandise and, and glasses and, and the boss, you know, or CEO rings and, yeah. rings and stuff, do all of that stuff. Um, they got to go all in with Mercedes. Because, again, like you answered it, right? Like John Moxley. Yeah, he's the face of AEW. But if you really want AEW to grow, if you really want a game changer, you can't have 20 different people that are the face of the company. You got to have one that's like synonymous with the brand. And uh if they make her the face of the company, she never goes back to WWE. I'd agree with that, probably. Um, you spoke about growth. Obviously, we've said Mercedes and how she could definitely add to the growth of AEW. But you mentioned that you reckon they're beginning to level out at their you know, ceiling of, of growth. What breaks through the ceiling? How, If we were to say like three things that they could do to break that ceiling, to, to keep growing and again not to say catch up with where wwe is because mm -hmm. we have years and years on them but just to break through the current ceiling what are the three things that they could do in your opinion to to make that change i love this question a lot and i gotta give it some thought but the first thing without a doubt is really pay attention to the audience that you're serving because we have this huge issue especially with twitter where there is a lot of disingenuine takes. There is a lot of disingenuine responses. And I see that Tony Khan does use Twitter a lot, and Tony Khan does respond to a lot of accounts that, in my opinion, are bots. I think they're bots. Uh, they're all profile pictures with, you know, Roman Reigns or Kenny Omega. You know, like, those accounts, they're disingenuous. They're not real. I would not be booking for these types of people. I would. I can. I can tell you right off the rip that, and I said this since day one, you want to be on IWC's, you know, you want to be buddy, buddy with the IWC. Sure. But if you want to grow your business, 
you really have to make your product attractive to a more general consumer. People yeah. say casual. I don't like the term casual. I say general consumer because I think at the end of the day, if you watch wrestling, you, it's not, you know, it's the casual, the the whole description of a casual fan to me, it's, it always, it always changes. But with Tony Khan, he has to change who he's booking for. So the product presentation right now, it's a little dark and grimy and stuff like that. You know, I do think they need to brighten it up a little bit, make it look a little bit more must-see, a little bit more professional and more well-lit. I know we have that with WWE, but that's going to be fun little story. I went to a Super Bowl party two years ago. My friends go, oh, uh, I saw your video on on uh, Chris Jericho and whatever i was like he's like i didn't know he was still in wwe i'm like no no that's aew mm. he's like oh what's that like raw and smackdown like that's another show i'm like no no it's a whole different company right the reason why they they the reason why people actually do have that issue is because of the fact that wrestling is wrestling right yeah. just like with mma oh ufc bellator oh you see ufc like no it's professional wrestling or it's mma which has its other companies so right watch who you book for social media that's uh presentation. Like those are two things right off the rip. You gotta you gotta kind of showcase that you are a mainstream product. I don't think they look like a mainstream product, despite the fact that they do produce good television. Mm. Those might not be popular answers, but the third one I'll give you to really grow. And um, you know, I think this really sucks that I have to say it, but I think they gotta be better at presenting wrestling. Okay. Explain that one for me. Yeah. People say, where's the story? Where's the story? Where's the story? I don't say that. I don't say that. I, I say, what's the purpose, right? And I think for, for television right now, we are so crazy with our phones that I can miss an entire three episode hour, uh, three hour episode of raw and get to know everything that happened on raw without necessarily watching every single second of it. Right? Yeah. With AEW, you cannot do that. They just had a really good match. Now, yeah. now for me, I watched Tony Storm, and I'm like, ah, I love it. Love Tony Storm. Hangman and Swerve, love it. There's some yeah. real good depth to those things, right? Then there's other things on TV where I'm watching, and I'm like, there just needs to be a bigger purpose than, you know, some basic stuff, right? Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Of like something that worked really well. Uh, Wardlow turning on MJF. Mm -hmm. Perf perfect example, right? Wardlow turning on MJF truly had some great momentum. And then after the fact, Wardlow lost it all, right? Now Wardlow's with, with the undisputed uh, kingdom, kingdom or whatever. Mm. And he's just doing squash matches again. This entire time he's been in the company, all he does is squash people. What's Wardlow's greatest purpose? Now... Here's the thing, right? Anybody who actually watches the product can tell you this, that there is something going on with Wardlow and Adam Cole, where Adam Cole kind of said in the first promo, like, Wardlow's going to win me the belt and bring it to me, right? And then Wardlow did the look thing. They're kind of going back and redoing the Wardlow MJF thing. And they're doing this in hopes of getting some more momentum for Wardlow. Fantastic, right? They're playing into it. But that doesn't come across social media that doesn't come across these clips and stuff like that if you're really going to have a purpose for the things that are happening on tv i shouldn't have to watch a full two-hour episode 
because our attention spans are low. That's the problem with AEW. It's the same. Listen, I'm, I'm saying this with like genuine being 100% genuine. And maybe I'm not conveying this as clear as I can. But I look at WWE Raw three hours as miserable. Not because of how good or bad the product is. I just hate watching TV for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I got shit to do, right? Yeah. But I watch it. I enjoy it. And thankfully, in the past year and a half, the show has been a lot better to watch, right? But I know if I miss tomorrow's episode or whatever, you know, if I miss the next episode, I know I can go on YouTube or go on DVR and just get to know everything that's happened. I don't actually have to watch for three hours. You watch it for three hours to pass time, you know, with AEW, you kind of have to do the same thing. And I know this is not a popular answer, but the thing is, you got to get to the point where people should have an understanding of what's actually happening on your product based on more than just watching the full two hours, because there is a lot of competition in today's world. A lot of competition. Look at TikTok and Snapchat and all these things. You get your results and stuff like that. You got to create enough compelling TV for me to be like, I want to watch the full two hours. Yeah. And that's the problem that AEW has. So they have to do that by just writing compelling TV. And they've done it before. And they're still doing it in certain aspects of the show. But they got to get better. You got to present it as a bigger deal. Um, you know, and truth be told, you know, I, I like the CMLL stuff and I like the New Japan stuff, but that's not helping grow the product. Yeah. Signing these big indie names, it's not helping grow the product. Signing these WWE names doesn't help grow the product. Adam Copeland's value in WWE was edge. People didn't know him as Adam Copeland. He shows up in AEW and I love what he's doing in AEW and it's a great storyline, you know, but it just doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal. It's fundamental stuff that they can change. And again, I know it's not the most popular opinion and I know people will listen to it and be like, what the hell? But at the end of the day, if you really want to grow your product, you got to look at the number one thing, which is attention span. And people do not have long attention spans. And this is the same reason why WWE is doing WWE speed. Like, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. It's like, the, it's, the, it's crazy, but that's just the way it is. And if you write compelling TV, you know, like, for example, I've done this before with uh, years ago when, when before the regime changed for WWE, when Raw was three hours, I would do watch alongs on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I did one and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I just got <laughs> off. I'm like, yeah, like, it was great viewership, but I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. And the thing is, they're like, why? And it's the same thing I'm saying today is I was like, I, I could tell you just based on watching the last week's episode or the like last few weeks, I could just go on Twitter and find out what happened. I'll be good. Yeah. And so that's how bad the previous regime was. Like they didn't create compelling shit. Right. And then I remember before like WrestleMania stuff, they did stuff with Ezekiel and Kevin Owens. And that to me was like, I don't know why, but I, I love this. Right. So <laughs> I start watching it and then I start watching again, full episodes. And I start, you know, it was good enough for me to get watching mm-hmm. with AEW. I'll tell you right off the rip 2023, especially towards the end of the year. I was like, Oh, they're picking up again. Now I yeah. should be watching. And they've, they've been doing a good job of that. Right. But mm-hmm. it's a lot of things combined that will change people's perception of it. And if you're the alternative, if you're the, you know, if your product is a little bit darker, maybe doesn't look as high quality as the other one which really comes down to lighting. But if it, if it has that different grimy feel, yeah, I think a general consumer who's flipping channels would be like, what is this? This doesn't look yeah. like WWE, you know? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that, and WWE is a standard. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly the thing. I mean, I really love your point on the whole 
general consumer as you've kind of coined it um as opposed to the casuals because yeah that is the way to grow they can go to all these towns as as they like but they're only gonna get the pro wrestling crowd from that town as opposed to it's almost like a circus when wwe come to town oh it's the wwe so whether you are you are a wrestling fan or you just want to see the wwe the superstars you see the big graphics everywhere on the billboards you just want to go and see it like yeah it totally makes sense what you're saying in regards to the general consumer is is pulled in as well as who the wrestling fan may be yeah and i just wanted to add too it's like because I know I said a lot of stuff and it's kind of long-winded. But one thing that's really important to understand is like WWE has the same issue that UFC has where the brand is bigger than everything else, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, in 2024, it has to be that way. Like how you're explaining like with WWE coming to town, oh, it's the WWE. I know a lot of people who go and watch UFC but don't know the fighters. But they just like, oh, it's the UFC, right? Mm. With AEW, and this is one thing that drives me crazy with the IWC, the same people who will talk on twitter all day about attendance and shit like aew is getting lower attendance right i think that has a little bit of an issue but also at the same time too that's easily solved right i think aew has to get to the point where they're actually hitting the markets where people want them like the fact that tony khan put up what almost ninety thousand people at wembley like brother i'd I'd be in the UK right now All doing time, more dynamites yeah. and collisions. And I would, <laughs> even if it's pre-taped, it doesn't matter. I would be doing that because it comes across bigger on TV. I would not be going to a little shitty city in the United States where 2000 people aren't showing up or they're, they're showing up, right? 2000 people. Like that's another thing that people really got to factor in is like the demand right now, the demand for WWE is high. But WWE's product has been consistently good to the point where people who WWE's coming to town, AEW hasn't built that reputation as a company. So now, like, what they really have to do is go to these cities, put on really, really good shows, and grow the brand. It's all a thing. Like, it's all this. Like, there's so many factors that get into it. The last thing you should be doing is showcasing on TV that you're in a, an arena that seats ten thousand, but you only got two thousand people there. It doesn't yeah. come across as a big deal, you know, and that's that's one reason why like TNA and all these other smaller companies will always be the small company. And there is nothing wrong with that, but you're not doing 12,000 seats. Yeah, it doesn't look good. And not that it, it, that's another thing, too. It doesn't mean that the product is bad, but that's just how people react mentally. They're like, oh, of course, nobody's going to want to be there, but it's probably just the market you know, the arena, the prices, that's a factor, economy and all this stuff. But perception is reality. So when you see, you know, WWE in 2015 or 16 or whatever it is, and there's nobody showing up to the events and hard cam is all tarped off. When you see that, yeah, even if the product was good, it don't look good because nobody cares. And for AEW, despite 2024 being really good to them in terms of the product, I think there's a lot of people who are like, what is this? Clearly doesn't look like it's a, big level wrestling show and, and if you watch it you would know that's not true because the crowd is crazy but mm. it's the markets too that you got to really factor that in where you're trying to expand bro what a great insight and um a great chat like we could dissect more of this but um you know you've been very generous with your time already man um we talked about it at the beginning of the show but please plug away and let people know where to find you I don't have to plug. If you didn't find me, I didn't do a good enough job. So uh, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, like I said, I came across you. I've been glued since. I know what times the uploads are coming. Um, like I said, I'm rooting for you to get to that 100k, man. Um, thank you for joining. And um, of yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully you could do this another time. 100%. Anytime you want, man. Anytime you want. Thank you one more time to my guy, Angle. Really passionate. You know, I'm sure you could hear that in his voice, how much he cares about this stuff and the improvements he would like to see. Um, and a lot of good ideas. A, a lot of really good ideas um, in terms of stuff like the, the growth of the audience and doing shows where you are really wanted, um, you know, running smaller arenas, if that's the case that you need to do. All things that, you know, people have said um, that AEW needs to implement. But yeah, I, I really do think that AEW, they're, they're on their way back. We just need to kind of improve some things here or there. The the roster thing, like I keep saying, it was shocking to me about the size of that roster, um, you know, just shy of 200 people reportedly. They need to get a hold of that. Um, release some guys back to the indies, man. Like, uh, I think that would be great. So, yeah. AEW, WWE, I think the state of the game is good, man. I think the state of the game is really good right now. Um, and like I said at the top of the show, I'm just looking forward to the, the next big shows. I'm looking forward to Elimination Chamber. I'm looking forward to WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to Revolution. And, you know, there might be more and new pay-per-views in AEW schedule over the next year as well. So, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to across the board when it comes to the major players in professional wrestling. Right. So I need to get this out to you guys on time. So you've got it for the day and for your week ahead, whenever you're going to listen to it. Um, I appreciate you guys every single time tuning in. Um, big up for all the love on all the social platforms. Keep engaging, keep talking, keep sharing. Um, whether it's the podcast or my videos or anything else, you know, hit me up as well. You know, I'm, I'm answering people. I talk to people because that's why I started this. I wanted to find people that are talking about wrestling. So whether it's on Twitter, WrestleManiac UK, on Instagram, WrestleManiac.UK, hit me up, man. Let's let's start this conversation and um, really discuss this thing called professional wrestling that we love man like i said before leave a review if you've been enjoying the podcasts head over whether it's google Podcasts you're listening on apple podcasts spotify head over give a review five stars preferably let the people know that this is a really good podcast it's consistent with great guests and yeah you like me as well that'd be really cool but yeah guys um till next week We'll speak again. WrestleManiac UK signing out and I'll see you soon.